All right, for whatever reason, this sort of random generated list here had a lot of the big players towards the end here, so we've got <laughs> quite a few of them to get to now. So we've got Geelong, obviously flamed out in the preliminary final. A lot of people calling for big changes, at least to the game plan. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of positives coming out of Geelong, which I guess isn't that unexpected for this time of year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, people are saying that everything's going well. They've tried to tweak a few things. And uh, as is usually the case, they'll probably do really well during the uh, home and away season. How'd you be feeling as a Cats fan here, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. Also been hearing some some positive things out of the Cats camp. Uh, yeah, I'll, there's no reason to not be confident as a Cats fan. I mean, you're kind of conditioned to always being in with a shot, I guess. And some of these ins, Jonathan Sigler from Hawthorne, Tyson Stingle, uh, you know, they'll help. They do lose Lockie Henderson, Darcy Fort to Brisbane, uh, Jordan Clark, Charlie Constable. A uh, little bit gone, but uh, the list is otherwise intact. Sigler um, could be interesting for them, don't you think? Like, help yeah, Stanley yeah. out a bit. Is he the number one I, ruck now? He's like a more traditional ruck as well. So, you know, we've been on Geelong's case for a long time about yeah. not having a ruckman. And I guess Segler could be the guy who actually provides a bit more of that traditional ruck role. Yeah, very serviceable player, Segler. And, you know, it could be the the less glamorous uh, pickup that's going to make the difference for Geelong. So, yeah, look, I, I there's the quality is there to play more finals. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, write the cats off at your peril. But a lot of people are talking about is the cliff coming up? Chris Scott's in the last year of his of his contract. <laughs> it it does feel a lot like they're you know going to the well one more time. But I do think it's going to be a good one more time if it is. I think there's no reason why they can't be top four or maybe just outside top four. Yeah, I wouldn't be expecting them to drop out at all. So this whole narrative that's been happening the last few years about, you know, will their control style, you know, allow them to win the biggest games in the finals? And I guess you'd have to say it hasn't so far. So would you be expecting them to go a long way away from that control style, a little bit away from it, not away from it at all? What are you thinking here? Yeah, well, I definitely think they'll go a little bit away from it, at least. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if it is a bigger change, but... uh, I don't know, Chris Scott's usually been, I don't know, he kind of likes to mix styles a bit, I guess. Uh, even when he first took over, it was still a little bit of the of the bomber philosophy. But, uh, I mean, you, you obviously noticed the change in style, but, uh, you know, he, he doesn't completely veer off the track, I guess. So I wouldn't expect him to completely ditch the you know, the control at certain points maybe. But I did hear Tom Stewart being interviewed a few weeks ago and he was, there was one of the things he was he was talking up. He said, look, no, there's a new game style. We're going to be, a uh, game plan, we're going to be a lot freer, a lot, you know, it's going to, we're going to be able to express ourselves, I guess, uh, with more flair and things like that. So I don't know if that's just interview talk, but it sounds like that it could be, you know, a decent change in the in the yeah plan. the proofs in the pudding with these sort of things people can talk about it all they want but they'll ultimately be judged by what's out on the field right and yep. you know it's easy to you know try different things when things are going well but 
you know, when they come under pressure in a big game, are they going to revert back to this type of style? That'll be interesting to see. That is the key question, exactly. And yeah, after so many finals appearances, I think for most Geelong supporters, they're only going to really judge this team on finals performances. Yeah. <laughs> so it does feel like flag or bust in some ways. <laughs> yeah, when you give away that many picks for Jeremy Cameron, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. No, there's a lot of eggs in, in the one basket. Apparently Stengel's been pretty good in a couple of their practice games, though. That extra sort of live wire, small forward, yeah. good by foot. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how much uh, the dynamic has shifted there. Yep, no, no shortage of quality there at the Cats. All right, so another heavy hitter we've got to talk about here, the Brisbane Lions. So uh, how would the Brizzy supporters be feeling going into the season here, Johnny? Uh, look, they, they should feel very optimistic. I mean, there is quite a fair bit of pressure, I think, on the Lions, uh, but they should uh, they should relish it, really. They, they should see this as a big challenge and want to step up and overcome this obstacle. Uh, in my opinion, I, I actually think this team has the most pressure on them in the, in the competition. Uh, two straight sets, exits in the finals. Just the one finals win in three years after, yeah, it's been top, Four each year, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, undeniable talent. But we just talked about Jeremy Cameron. Uh, you know, it feels like, I mean, they didn't give up as much, obviously, but you know, they they did move heaven and earth to get Joe Danaher there. And I would love to see Joe step up and be that guy for them. And just, you know, when they need a goal, him be the guy that you know can clunk the mark and just be a physical presence, I guess. So not that he's a physical forward, I guess. So, but um, just be that guy to stand up when it when it's counted. Um, the big outs, I think, uh, didn't really have any big ins, but Grant Birchall retired, Cam Ellis-Yolman. So it's not a massive loss. The, the list is pretty much the same. They just need to deliver it then. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. One thing I'm thinking about with Brisbane, like I think what cost them especially in that Melbourne game in the finals, maybe to a bit of a lesser extent against the Bulldogs, is just the inability to run both ways through the midfield. And I guess that's kind of what cost them in that Bulldogs game as well. You saw Bulldogs guys getting out like in that last quarter to get their goals on the board. And, uh, you know, Melbourne was doing whatever they wanted in that first final when when they got Mm. the ball, basically. So, like, I just find it quite interesting with these teams that have such glaring problems in the finals like how much do you address that fatal flaw so for Geelong you know it was the control style they couldn't hurt Melbourne so how much do they change that for Brisbane they couldn't run both ways they were you know highly offensive but they're putting their defense under too much pressure because the midfield's not supporting Port you know lack of help through the midfield can't you know get the hardness going in the game that matters most so like What's the mentality for these teams? Like, for me, I would, you know, be making these sort of things a huge focus. Obviously, it's not the only thing, but if you get back to your same position, there's a high chance that these things are going to cost you again. So, like, isn't this, like, the thing at the top of the list to actually address? Like, it just sort of seems like teams are all too willing to sort of sweep these things under the carpet and just hope that, you know, they come up against a different team that might not expose their fatal flaw. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It seems like they're more keen to back their style in and what's gotten them there might be a little different next time. 
which is good. It's good to have belief in that, but uh, especially when it comes to strategic things or, yeah, how you were beaten. I mean, what if Brisbane did get to the top four again and and they were beaten exactly the same way as Melbourne beating them? Yeah, we're just cutting off balls and things like that. Um, you'd be disappointed. It would literally be the definition of insanity. So You're coming up against the yeah. best teams, right? So, like, if you do have a flaw that another team can expose to that extent, more often than not, you're going to get exposed. So, like, yep. obviously you still want to be working on your strengths and developing other parts of your game, but I feel like if you're not trying to plug that hole of how you've been really badly exposed, then you're almost doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I agree. I think so. And I think, um, yeah, with Brisbane, you just get the feeling that it's it's more about, I guess, I don't know, out-talenting the other team and, and had done a very good job in doing that and it gets them... It gets them to that point. But, uh, yeah, oh, look, I'm a big fan of Chris Fagan, and I think that he's definitely got the potential to win him a flag. But you, you just need to see a little bit more in those crucial moments, I think, from the Lions. Yeah, they've definitely got one of the most talented lists. And, you know, a lot of their guys are still pretty young. If you look at, you know, McCluggage and Rainer going through the midfield. Yep. Bailey, there's still a lot of guys that can get a lot better. But, yeah, it's just how long is it going to take? Are they going to be ruthless enough? Are you going to do the really hard things you have to do to become, you know, a really seasoned finals team who can actually win these big games? So I guess although, you know, there's a lot to like with Brisbane, the lack of performance in the finals, you can really only yeah. answer that in one way. And you got to get there first. But uh, yep, just got to change the narrative somehow i suppose yep yep definitely all right let's shift our attention to st kilda now so uh another team that was on the periphery of finishing in the eight last year challenging and uh yeah didn't have a great start to the season last year but they did better in the second half and uh yeah one of these teams that it's really hard to kind of predict what they might do but yeah as a saints fan how would you be feeling going into the season here, Johnny? Yeah, I agree. Very hard to, to predict, to get a really good read on St Kilda. Um, as a fan, uh, <laughs> yeah, as a fan, I'd be not confused, but I'd be, I, I honestly would find it hard to see, I, I wouldn't be able to predict where, we get, where they were going to finish at all, to be honest. I think that we, it's been well publicized what they did in 2020. They knocked out some pretty good teams. Uh, was that the aberration or was 2021 the aberration? Uh, key ins, they brought in Tom Campbell from North. They've got uh, uh, Nasiah Wanganin Milera at pick 11. They've got Oscar Adams. Lost Jake Carlisle, Luke Dunstan, James Frawley retired. I can't remember if he even got on the park. Jack Loney, Sean McKernan. Uh, so they've gone in a, They've gone in tall there in getting Campbell and Adams. Uh, maybe with the retire, sorry, not retire, with Ryder retirement on the horizon maybe because uh, Ryder's going to be 33 come round one. Um, Marshall, maybe they think he's not quite ready. I don't know. But, look, we're going to find out what St Kilda are this year, in my opinion. And as a fan, I'd be hoping that they can be back in the eight, but I'd also be thinking that a few things have to go right as well. 
Yeah, I find it hard to be too optimistic about St Kilda. Their better performances last year were really good. For example, the win over Sydney. It seemed like when they all were, you know, were really working together, really scrapping, they could open the game up pretty well, get it going their way, and uh, they were scoring enough. But yeah, just quite inconsistent. And uh, yeah, who are the next wave of you know guys who are going to elevate this team above? a team that's either just in or just outside of the eight. Obviously, they've got Jack Steele, who's doing a tremendous job. Max King is only going to get better. But, you know, Mm. a lot of these other younger guys that should be doing more, I guess Billings isn't really that young anymore, uh, some of their other, you know, first-round picks, it just sort of seems like they're, you know, good, solid citizens. But who is it that's going to take that next step to actually say, okay, we're going to do something and uh, make it really hard for a lot of teams. For sure. I mean, we've all we all know what a gun Jack Steele is, but uh, it does seem like a bit of a divide from him and the rest of that group in the midfield. You want to just see the gap shorten a little bit this year, have some more, you know, influence. I guess. Um, I do like Cooper Sharman. I think he could be the you know he's still under the radar a little bit, but I think he's a nice option. Up forward occasionally, you know, sort of that maybe that third forward. He's a very straight kick. I like quite like. Oh his yeah, yeah, I love his kicking action. style. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I'd say I'd have him between either just in the eight or just out of the eight, sort of between seventh to tenth, I guess. Yeah, so I guess they're almost stuck in that no man's land, really, aren't yep. they? Like they're good enough to be contending for the eight, but yeah, I think that's the hardest step to make. How do you go from there? to be, you know, just in or just outside of the top four. So that's probably what I'd be thinking as a St Kilda fan. Like, it's good to have a solid team, but how are we actually going to get to that next level? That's it. That's it. All right. The one we've all been waiting for. We know the majority <laughs> of the people who listen to this podcast are Melbourne supporters, or at least that's our inkling. <laughs> so yeah. let's have a chat about the Ds, eh? Uh we're both very well placed to talk about this one because obviously we're both Melbourne supporters. How are we feeling going into the season here, Johnny? Uh, there's no reason not to feel optimistic for this season. I mean, yeah, this time last year we were obviously in a much different mindset and it shows you what one year can, can do to a football side, I guess. I mean, you know, we saw it with Richmond as well a few years earlier. The confidence you get from something like the success they had. But, um, yeah, look, the key ins, Luke Dunson from the Saints, uh, Jacob Van Ruin at pick 19 at all, uh, Blake Howes, who I'm very happy with that they he was available at pick 39, sort of a, yeah, was a really Dunstan good get, type. Yeah, very good get. Tajwa Woden, father-son. Losing Marty Hoare, Aaron Vandenberg, Nathan Jones, Neville Jetta. A little bit of experience gone, but, uh, you know, that, that's going to happen. I guess it's going to be turnover yeah. in, a, in a good list. But there's... The, the, they will go into this season as the hunted. You know, they've got the target painted on their back. It is a big test. Uh, will they stack up? But there's too many star players now, and they're, those star players are in their prime and in career best form. So the only way I can see Melbourne dropping off is with injuries, to be honest. Uh, I think they'll definitely make another top four run. And, yeah, that's that's what I'd say at this point. I definitely think they'll be top four again. Not quite sure what would happen after that, but yeah, no, they're the team to beat. Yeah, I think they're 
clearly the team to beat. So obviously it's very hard to go back to back. But mm. yeah, with the finals performances last year, they were clearly the standout team in the AFL. And I know they were down against the Bulldogs in the grand final, but you know, the burst they can put on teams now when they get on top is just something that I don't think any other team has at the moment. They can go on these, you know, five to ten goal bursts within sort of a twenty minute period really. So mm. it's just extremely powerful in a you know, a competition where scoring is just so difficult. And it probably hasn't been mentioned much, but there is still improvement to come from this list as well. For sure. I really yeah. like Tom Sparrow. He did some really nice things in the final. Yep. Uh, James Jordan, I think, has got a fair bit of potential. A lot Definitely. of the small forwards are still young. Spargo, Pickett, Neil Bullen's found another level. So, yes. like, I caught a little bit of their preseason game against North. They just look like a well-oiled machine, obviously. Had a few more problems against Carlton with all those uh, 50-meter <laughs> penalties and uh, all those sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, I really think they're primed for another good year and uh, would be expecting a top four finish. But, uh, you know, you never can quite un- know what's going to happen. And, yeah, they've got a much tougher draw now because of they finished in the top four last year, obviously. Yep. So not going to be easy by any means. But, you know, if they can stay hungry and keep motivated and just uh, make sure that uh, they're correcting things as need to are they as they need to throughout the season. I think they'll be uh yeah, a hard one to get past. Yep, yep. No, very hard to go back to back, but I think they'll be there come the pointy end of the season. I suppose, yeah, really you just want them to finish in the top four to make sure they have a chance. Obviously yep. the home final is important depending on where the Victorian teams finish. But uh yeah, a lot of teams have won it from third maybe not so much fourth but uh yeah you Mm. don't necessarily have to finish top two so no no so what did you make of some of the off-field acquisitions so i think dunstan could be quite handy yeah look it was surprising i thought not just for us but for him as well i thought as a player that was probably on the verge of really being cut i guess at the start of last year by the saints and not really getting a game and only really getting a game because of injuries. I thought that he would personally be looking for a team that he would get game time with. But he's obviously chose a destination that seemed appealing as a, uh, I guess, a, you know, a club that was doing things right and a club that you'd want to fight for your place at. So I, that was a very a positive sign. It, it gives you more depth. It's the one thing that these did need, I guess, was a tiny bit more depth in the midfield just in case. Um, so I think it's a good get. Um, and yeah, look, very, very happy with the draft. I, I think at this point you're just looking to, um, uh, get some project players in, I guess. And who, yeah, it's a, it's a good situation for young kids being drafted to a club like Melbourne, um, at, or Richmond in, in previous years where it's a, it, you know, it's an organization that's doing things right and you're learning off the best and things like that. Yeah. It can make a big difference. I think the environment and, yeah, I'd be backing Dunstan to get a few games at least. Yeah. And, you know, once he's in, then like if he can prove his worth. And I guess the big knock on him when he was at St Kilda was the kicking. I think that was a little yeah. bit better last year in the limited opportunities he got. So I'm sure uh, Chuck will be right into him trying to improve yeah. that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, should be an interesting one. Yeah. No, he'll play. I think he'll definitely play. All right. Next on our list is Carlton. Been a bit of noise from Carlton 
over the preseason as well with new coach Michael Voss and new game style and uh, a few other changes. How are you feeling as a, as a blue supporter here, Johnny? Yeah, well, um, I think that they've got every reason to be optimistic. Uh, the question is, you know, how are the new coaching staff going to, like, what, what are they going to implement? Because this list, to me, I'm a big fan of this list and I think it's, it's ready to take off. But the issues last year, obviously, were system related. And, um, you know, a lot of their defensive errors just looked like there was a total lack of structure. They weren't drilled enough in, you know, their roles and what they needed to be doing at any given time. And, uh, however, but they still had guys like Jacob Wietering starring in what was otherwise a very chaotic <laughs> situation. So I really think that if that's what Michael Voss is going to bring, if he can bring some more structure, some more um, organisation, then it could be a massive difference. Uh, so I would be optimistic. I know Sam Walsh's injury is a bit of a you know a blow and uh, I think Mackay is out for a few more weeks. But uh, no, I think this is a really, really talented list and I would be expecting to be in or just in for finals interesting just just out rather yep. sorry <laughs> <laughs> they've they've had so many false, false dawns i suppose carlton so mm. it's hard to be you know that confident in what they're going to do but you know if not now when i suppose they've got Voss in can try and instill a different game style you know that could take time as well but they do have a lot of talent on paper so i guess it's about time they started translating some of that into some better performances. Yeah. Uh, key ins, obviously, Adam Chera from Frio. That's a big, big get. Uh, George Hewitt, kind of underrated. I think he could make a, a bit of a difference as well. They lose Michael Gibbons, Liam Jones retired, Eddie Betts retired, Mark Murphy retired, Levi Casbold off to the Gold Coast and Sam Patricia Seaton off to the West Coast. So they actually have had a bit of turnover on their list. And yeah, maybe a tiny bit of an experience gap to fill there, but... I think it's a challenge. There's a few players there that have been around for a while. You got your you know, Walsh is Walsh though. We, we know what he is, uh, but guys like Paddy Dow and uh, you know Mackay, uh, yeah. There's there's some of these guys that are, I think are ready to take that you know that responsibility and uh, launch them to the next step. Yeah, I suppose where they fell down, as you were saying last year, was a lot of the defensive stuff. So they were pretty strong through the midfield and both and up forward as well. So, you know, if they can plug a few of those holes in defence, then they should be a lot harder to deal with. Yep. Yep. So that'd be a good one there to keep a lookout. And uh, yeah, just as a Carlton supporter, you would be optimistic, but you've been sort of hurt so many times before. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Uh, tempered optimism. Absolutely. All right, next on the list, the vanquished grand finalists, uh, the Western Bulldogs. How are we feeling as a dog supporter here? Uh, I think you should feel very up and about with the dogs. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about this list. I think Aaron Norton, he looks ready to explode, I reckon. He he could deliver, you know, a 60-goal-plus you know, season, I think, Um you wonder if their game style suits him perfectly, but I do think he's that kind of player that can just make things happen as well. Um, yeah, I think he's a, he'll be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the, the key ins, they get uh, Tim O'Brien from the Hawks, uh, Sam Darcy, father-son. Uh, they lose Lynn John, Patrick Lipinski to the Dogs. Easton Wood retired. But um, 
yeah, I think O'Brien will definitely help them out down back. Um, yeah, we talked get. about the. Yeah, I think it's a good get. And, um, we talked about the how um, at the start with Port, how I was sort of thinking those those prelim losses can kind of stick with you and traumatize you a bit. And you you asked the question, I guess, with the dogs, is this going to be a similar situation after the way they kind of capitulated in the grand final? But I'm not really sure if it is. I think that they there was not that it was an excuse, but they did sort of run out of legs and um, they were in the game yeah. up until you know the third quarter. I think. They'll learn a harsh lesson from that, and I expect them to be right there come the pointy end. Yeah. I guess against Melbourne in the grand final, you wouldn't really say there was a fatal flaw there for the Bulldogs. It was more just Melbourne took it away from them. I suppose if you wanted to be really nitpicky, you could talk about their structures around those centre stoppages. Yeah. But, you know, that can happen. You're not going to get that right the whole game, and that's what makes Melbourne so dangerous, I suppose. But... Yeah, unlike those other top four teams that sort of flamed out, you wouldn't really say the Bulldogs flamed out in the finals. Like they made no. the grand final, and even that in that grand final, they did themselves justice. So absolutely, yeah, obviously very solid midfield. Uh, Sam Darcy's a little bit of a worry. I think he's got this navicular injury mm. in the foot, and geez, that injury has claimed some uh, you know big name players over the years. Oh yeah. So Trengrove was never the same after that injury. Nope. No. And uh, who's the other Geelong guy? Egan? Uh, Egan, Matthew yeah. Egan, yeah. All-Australian defender. And then, yeah, just never got another go at it. So I'm not saying that it's going to be the same for Sam Darcy, but, you know, that's a long-term injury and the type of injury yeah. that's very hard to heal from. So I think they're going to be very cautious with him. So I would be surprised if they got much out of him this year. He'd probably play, but, you know, he's not going to be to the level they would have been, would have been be expected. Limited. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a real big watch. And, uh, you know, the Bulldogs, one of the things they do struggle with a bit is marking inside 50. I know they've got Norton and uh, Bruce as well, but I guess he's out now with the inj- with the ACL, right? So they won't yep. have him this year either. So I guess that's one of the big things. Can they find a way to get a few more marks inside 50? Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. All right, so we've now got Hawthorne to look at, another one of the interesting teams coming into the season. So, uh, yeah, turmoil last season, I suppose, with Clarkson getting ousted. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting what happened over the trade period with uh, them offering up a few players and no one wanting them. I guess they are over 30, speaking of the likes of uh, Bruce and Gunston, among others. But, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I think there were about four that they offered up. I think Wingard's name might have been mentioned. Uh, all players that could help out, I guess, somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the price tag wasn't very appealing. Um, it's it's not a great place to be, I guess, when you've got those guys who probably aren't quite going to be your future, but you can't seem to move them either. So. I guess that's that situation where you end up paying a lot of this, not a lot of their salary, but you do a lot of those sweeteners. Yeah, I guess they um, could have probably offloaded them, right? But they maybe wouldn't have got what they thought was market value, so just pulled the pin. Yeah. But they did seem very right, keen yeah. on uh, getting rid of them. So, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. onwards and upwards, and uh, Sam Mitchell has it all in front of him. How would you be feeling if you were a Hawthorne supporter? Um, well, look... It it feels like it's going to be a, a tough a tough road for a bit. I don't 
think it would be as long as maybe some other clubs doing this kind of process. But, uh, yeah, the Inns, they got Max Lynch from Collingwood and Josh Ward would pick a lip, sorry, pick seven. Tim O'Brien's out and Segler and Bergwijn retired. So I guess the list is sort of intact, but, um, yeah, there's just going to be a, a lot of growing pains, I think, with them. They are building a reasonable back line, I think. Uh, I quite like uh, Jayath and Will Day. You've also got Sicily to come back. Because um, Jitski proved to be a reasonable target up front. So there's a bit to work with, I guess. But uh, the thing that worries me with Hawthorne is they're, they're just lacking a lot of depth in certain areas. Yeah, they were quite good in the second half of last year, surprisingly. I think they had a pretty good record against the top eight teams. And uh, yeah, I guess it's hard to know where Hawthorne's at. Like, how different will Sam Mitchell try and do things with the game plan? The personnel does seem to be relatively different. They were playing a lot of kids for a lot of stretches last year. So, yeah, it will just be interesting to see where they're at. And obviously it will be different without Clarkson there, but it'll just be interesting to see whether they can maintain that mentality of, you know, sort of always being in the game um, when they're sort of up for it and uh, just being difficult to play against, even if they're not one of the better teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I sort of see them not regressing too much, but not really going too far forward this year either. So, I don't know. They can also surprise you. They're one of those clubs you probably wouldn't want to sleep on totally, but that transition between Clarkson to to Mitchell, uh, we're not – yeah, we haven't seen any sample data yet. So, it's, uh, it's a bit of an unknown. It's a bit of an unknown. So, do you reckon it being – him Mitchell replacing Clarkson puts extra pressure on him compared to, say, if he was replacing another coach, like, you know, someone who hadn't done quite as well. Is that extra pressure for Mitchell? Yeah, look, I think it's always hard to be the guy replacing the guy. I mean, you'd rather be the guy replacing the guy who replaced the guy, if that makes sense, yeah. So it's, it's always got some kind of pressure, even if they say that it doesn't. I mean... It's a hard act to follow. Um, but from all accounts, I think he seems to be the guy that could be the successor, really. I mean, we're not, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot or anything, like I said before, but um, it's, yeah, I guess I guess if you were going to pick anyone who was going to be the successor, I mean, he'd be in a handful of names, I'd say. Well, they, so. they moved heaven and earth to get him, <laughs> so he mm. must have something going for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, not sure how much of a stamp he's going to put on things this year. I'd say a, a bit. Uh, really, sort of get his uh, get his plans in place early. But yeah, it's 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 really a wait and see with with Sam Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, not I'm sh- not really sure what to I'm expect. I'm sure there's still a fair few Hawthorne supporters stewing over what happened last year. But yeah, I think I mentioned this last year when we did a podcast, but. I don't think Clarkson was ever going to get another contract. So they just accelerated it really by a year or two. So, you know, I think Hawthorne had to get to this point eventually. And yeah, they weren't going to, you know, challenge for the eight again, going down that path that they were going. So this is a bit of a reset, I suppose. And, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to come back up anytime soon, even if everything goes well. But uh, yeah, it's just a new beginning, I suppose. It is a new beginning, and how if whether this is the beginning that they had in mind, 
probably not. But uh, look, you've now got to sort of dust yourself off and move forward, really. Absolutely. All right. We've done 17, so that means there must only be one team left. And it's probably one of the teams I'm the most excited about, actually. Uh, the Sydney Swans. I think they've got a lot of potential. They kind of flamed out in the finals last year. But, yeah, like, they could have won that game. It would have been a d- really difficult game for uh, their next opponent as well if they'd got through. Can't quite remember off the top of my head who that would have been. But, yeah, just natural progression with a lot of their sort of young core. Heaney seems to be ready to go to another level. They've got forward targets. Franklin's still up there doing his thing, among others. I know Papley's injured, but yeah, there's a lot to like about the Swans and see if they can sort of take that next step. I think they won 15 games, so I guess next step is to challenge, well, not just challenge for top four, make top four. Yep, yep. Um, I'm just, I'm exactly the same. I'm a big fan of this this young team and what they could be potentially capable of. Um. Yeah, looking at the ins, I mean, they've got Peter Adams in now. They've brought in Corey Warner, uh, brother of Chad, Lockie Rankin, and also Paddy McCartan. Never know. It could be a, a surprise packet if he can, you know, get nice and you know, fit. And yeah, he's a bit a of a wild card, together. isn't he? Like, could yeah, be a bit anything. of a wild card, exactly. Apparently, yeah, it could be. Apparently, he's been looking pretty good at the moment. And, like, yeah. you know, they're not expecting him to be a world beater. Any Getting anything out of Paddy McCutton is good. And I heard they might even try him, you know, Agreed. in defense. So that's a much easier existence for an AFL player than trying to play as a key forward, I think. Oh, and I think especially for him, that might be a smart move to get him reading the game from, from behind the ball and, and things like that. Uh, but, uh, look, some of the outs, you've got Jordan Dawson, George Hewitt, Sam Gray, that they've gone, but look, I think there's a lot of good young talent there. Uh, you mentioned Heaney before. I think that Heaney, Papley, and Goulden could really become a formidable sort of mosquito fleet up forward, I guess. And and obviously there'll be some rotations, but I think that could be really dangerous to come up against if you don't have enough quality small defenders. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it'd be real tough. So what do you think is going to be the big differentiator between Sydney either making or not making the top four this year? What's it, What could we point to and say, okay, this was the reason why they did make it or this was the reason why they didn't make it? I know it's a hard question, but you know what's so, going to make yeah. the difference? It's a very hard question, but a very good question. Um, I think they, they do seem to rely a bit on midfield goals, I'd say. Um, so look, that should be okay for now, but, um, it, you just wonder, like, cause Buddy's obviously going to get his thousand. Don't know how much longer he'll play after that. Might even announce the retirement that day. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just wonder if that would, um, maybe they've already been planning for this and that they're not really factoring Buddy in the game plan at all in terms of being a focal point. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're pretty, I think they're pretty strong down back. They've still got those, you know, those good war horses like Rampy and uh, uh, yeah, like some good season performers down there. Um, but yeah, I think it would come back to that. Just that, that sort of that moment where they would need a, a key presence up forward to stand up when it counts because uh, they did lose a couple of games to lesser teams, yeah, I thought. Yeah, and definitely did. Yeah. So yeah. I know they they relied 
pretty heavily, especially in the second half of the year, on like back half transition. I don't think they were that strong through the midfield in terms of, you know, contested possessions and just like generating a lot of their offense no. from there. So I suppose, yeah, it, it is tricky to be relying so much on your back line to generate score. So maybe that's part of it as well, like just getting a little bit more development into some of those younger midfielders and being a bit more competitive in that area. Like I know Josh Kennedy's getting on in years now. So like, Mm. yeah, just being able to try and break even through that midfield so they can make the most of their strengths in terms of, you know, the small forwards and uh, the solid defense where they can actually, you know, generate some pretty good offense with uh, precise kicking and, uh, you know, just uh, controlling the ball well. Yeah, it is a very strong asset for them, though, that uh, transition from half-back. I think that'll be very much in effect this year and hard to stop as well. But uh, teams will be aware of it. Um, They're not the surprise packet anymore, but I do think that they've got some amazing ability there across the list. And, yeah, they're just going to be really hard to play against, I think. So I guess one thing we've mentioned with a few different teams is lack of ability to score. Are we putting the Swans in that basket or not so much? Uh, not so much, not so much. I just think um, when it comes, when push comes to shove and say some of these small forwards that I mentioned aren't maybe firing, uh, I do wonder if they can, if they've got that sort of focal point that can sort of just take the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, maybe crash a pack or take a good contested mark, something like that. That's, yeah, it's, it may not even be necessary, but I do wonder if they can when it's real tight, if they can, I guess, split the difference. Yeah. yeah. All right. We did it. We got through all 18 teams. So uh, managed to do each team in the competition justice there, I hope, with a bit of a (laughs) summary. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you've got your own views. I'm sure you do on your team and what you're expecting of this year. Uh, You know, hope springs eternal. It's a new season. Anything can happen. But, there are certain indicators we can take from the previous season as well. It's not going to be completely flipped on its head. So, uh, yeah, it's been good to have a bit of a chat about where different teams might be at. And, uh, yeah, thanks for jumping on the line, Johnny. Yes, no problem. Bring on the season. <laughs> so we will be doing another pre-season ep next week just before the season gets started on Wednesday night. Obviously, the grand final rematch, Melbourne versus the Bulldogs at the MCG, which will hopefully get a big crowd along to that one. So... Yeah, we're going to trial out a bit of a different episode format for that one. Hopefully, it'll be a bit more in line with what we're doing going forward this year. So, uh, haven't 100% worked it out, but it'll be more sort of uh, discussion-driven. A few things that Johnny and I have found interesting from the weekend's action or just general trends in the game, uh, moving away from sort of the in-depth game analysis. There'll still be a bit of that, but it'll be just more sort of broad-ranging discussion and, uh, yeah, just get that banter going. Bit of fun. Yeah, that's it. All right, we'll end it there. Uh, can't really say enjoy the footy yet because it's not. We're not quite there. Maybe enjoy the women's footy. That's been quite interesting. They're getting better. Yes. All right, let's leave it there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, definitely worth watching. Who's gonna win, the demons or the crows? There. <laughs> uh look, it seems like it's gonna be a really good match, but uh, I, I just. Just give the itch to the D's, I reckon. They've got a very good game plan. I don't know what it is about Adelaide. I haven't really watched enough of it to probably form a solid opinion. But for some reason, Adelaide just always seems to have Melbourne's number in the 
past couple of years, but uh, maybe yeah. we can change that in the final series. Yep, that's it. All right, bye for now, guys. <laughs>